to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, in this episode, I have a discussion with JT from Dallas, Texas. JT is in the Army Reserves. He served in our military for a number of years. His wealth of knowledge of the military is massive. And he and his wife homeschool using the ABECA program with their children. Um, he's got a lot of experience. This is an excellent conversation. A lot of topics get brought up. We talk about, again, homeschooling, the benefits. He gets into the specifics of the ABECA program. We talk about the military, the jab rollout, and again, the, the ongoing war that's taking place here. And um, he has also had a family member who has passed away as a result of the jabs. So this is basically a giant two-part conversation. It's all in one episode here, but please give this a listen. A lot of valuable information, and uh, it was a pleasure to have him on, and I hope to have him on back soon. So without further ado, here is our conversation, and I'll catch you on Friday. Uh, my wife and I and our two kids, I think, are the only ones not jabbed on both sides of our family. Wow. So, oh, it is insane. Uh, you know, even her, even my, my in-laws, they're, they're pretty, you know, red-pilled. You know, not with everything, but pretty far along, I would say red-pilled more than most. And they got the jab early, you know, early, early on because of their age. Um, I would say I think they got it back in like March or April, you know, earlier this year, long before, you know, anybody was talking about the side effects or anything like that. And long before they knew about the ingredients, you know, in the, uh, in the jabs themselves. So it's talking to my mother-in-law and, you know, I don't know if she'll ever hear this. Uh, I know she knows I'm going to be on your podcast, so she may listen to it eventually. I know she, there's a part of her that regrets getting it. Um, but you know, and then my, my side of family, they're just, all they do is watch TV. And I just got done listening to your last episode. Yeah. You know, and you're sitting there talking about, you know, hey, turn off TV, turn off TV, turn off TV. And I've been screaming that for God knows how long, you know, years now. And we, we quit watching news. I quit watching the news, long, you know, well over a decade ago just because this is all garbage. And if I could just get my parents to do it, then, you know, they're smart people. That's the sad part. Yeah, it's, so. not, it's not a it, – yeah, you know, that's interesting. It's not, it doesn't seem to be a matter of – I mean, I don't know. It everybody's definition of smarts or intelligence is certainly different, but yeah, you know, when when an individual has the truth lie in their lap and they just throw it off of their lap and go, I don't want to hear about this. You know, I I'm not interested yeah. in this. I just find that to I, I don't think that's intelligent. Yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy because you know my my dad in particular, I would say has outside of him not being red pilled, I would say generally speaking has some of the best common sense of anybody that I've ever met. And these last two years is just like undone everything that, you know, I've come to respect about the man. Cause it's like, you know, he'll go out there and he'll read stuff, but like he's, he's reading the wrong things. And when I push stuff his way, you know, and I stopped doing it a long time ago, you know, I, you know, about a year ago, I quit pushing him stuff regarding all this nonsense. And he just, you know, would just, dismiss it you know and it's just like well what about john hoskins you know i'm like yeah, they're lying too dad like <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you <laughs> yeah. so so this whole weekend was pretty nuts because uh my mom got sick last week 
And, you know, it was shortly after my unjabbed kids were over at her house, and my kids were not sick prior to them going over there, mind you. Well, my, my youngest daughter, who's five, she came back and she was just a little, you know, congested and stuffed up. I told my wife, hey, it's probably because she was around people that were jabbed. They're just shedding on her, you know. And I keep telling my wife, like, this is going to happen until, you know, either everybody stops shedding or they all drop dead or, or we just stop going over there. Um, which is pretty grim, I realize, but <laughs> it's got to be said. Sure. Uh, so she gets sick and it turns out today that she had, she went to the doctor and she has bronchitis, which, you know, will kind of tie into the other, the other family member that I'll bring up here in a second. But when we were over there for Christmas on Sunday, my dad had a sore throat and we walk in the house and mind you, since I've been back from my deployment, uh, in January, last January, I've never been around my parents and I've never seen them masked, but I know they go into town masked. So like when they go to Costco, Walmart, you know, you name it, I know they mask up even though they're jabbed. I just think that's, you know, ridiculous, but we came up, we came over and I, we walk in the house and my dad's wearing not one mask, but two masks. And I just couldn't like, I almost walked out and, and told my wife, like, let's just leave. Cause that's not who I know. I don't know that guy anymore. You know, like he's so afraid of this fake flu that it's just controlling everything that he does and, and what he thinks. And he's supposed to be the smart one of the two, which is even, you know, even crazier. Right. So, um, and then the, the, I think that the, the part that made the whole day better was my oldest. She's eight. Uh, so she's in second grade. She is, she has worldly knowledge already. She listens to your podcast whenever she's in, in the vehicle. So she, she kind of gets pieces, you know, of your podcast here and there. She obviously knows who you are. You know, she just refers to you as the, uh, the education guru or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, sorry. Uh, um, I apologize for cursing. Uh, no, no. Oh, well, I mean, you're not as bad as, uh, quite frankly, there's, there's times where we, we want her to listen to that, but then he'll go into the grab bag and, talk about you know something sexual we gotta go oh can't listen to that no more yeah and and you know the cursing she's gotten used to it. we told we've told her like hey people in the world cuss it's 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 gonna happen heck you know i do it to her all the time i do it in front of her all the time too so i'm i'm no saint myself um but you know she's she's she knows that you know it happens and she knows not to do it so she's pretty smart but so she, she knows that this whole vaccine and the wearing of the mask is like just the stupidest thing in the world because of everything that she, you know, we've let her listen to. And then like we've explained how, you know, outside of the pedophilia and the stuff like that, we've, we've, you know, explained what evil really looks like in the world and kind of like what the globalist agenda is, you know, in a nutshell, you know, as best as we can explain it to somebody, you know, with some of the, the big key pieces missing. So she understands all that. And we were at, at the, uh, the dinner table and she went to go talk, go give my, my dad a hug or whatever. Cause he was sitting there talking to her and he's still wearing his masks and whatnot. And she goes, Papa, why are you wearing masks? 
and he he goes, you know, something along the lines of, well, I'm, you know, I'm feeling sick, and I don't want any of y'all to get sick. And I kid you not, I've never seen her eyes roll so bad in my life. Her eyes just rolled into the back of her head like it was the most insane, ridiculous thing she ever heard. And I couldn't have been prouder. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's my girl. I go, well, you know, this day has kind of been kind of weird, but at least, you know, even even when she's around family members who think something completely opposite of her parents, you know, pe- people that she, you know, that she respects and loves and cherishes, she still reverts back to kind of like what we've taught her and explained to her. And obviously we've, we've laid some really good, a really good foundation there. And I, I it, it was kind of was like a, a breath of fresh air. I, and I kind of relaxed a little bit. I was like, oh, I'm doing really good with that one. <laughs> wow. So, oh, it was nuts. And then, like, she started asking him, you know, why and stuff like that. And obviously, I had to cut her off because we've gotten in arguments before about everything. And I, the last thing I want is an argument to start because of my eight-year-old daughter. But good for, I mean, that, that's, I don't know, man. I got to tell you, that's a testament to you and your wife on, on, on raising children that, that can see through the weeds like that. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a long conversation, me and my wife did, about, you know, she was kind of hesitant about wanting to teach her about all the evil. And I go, honey, I go, it's everywhere. She needs to know that it exists. She needs to know that it's vastly different than what she sees, you know, on movies and stuff like that. Like, there's a big difference between, you know, fairy tales. I mean, not necessarily fairy tales, but, you know, like the Disney movies that we've allowed her to watch and stuff like that. And, you know, we had a pretty long discussion. and. I kind of started it with kind of like a of, of like a brain teaser, and I encourage you know other parents to do this too. You know, your kids watch a lot of media. It's not like you know whenever we were kids, where you know I rarely watch TV. If I did, it was at night because I was outside all day long. Um, and we were and we had a family TV, so it's not like we all had individual TVs for all of us to watch. You know, at a whim's notice. So. You know, I was sitting there talking to her, and I go, "Okay, of all the stuff that you've seen, movies, TV shows." you know, books that you've read, you know, name some bad guys and stuff like that that you think are bad. And obviously she's starting, you know, naming off, you know, some of the bad guys from the Disney movies, you know, some of the older ones, you know, and she, and I, I said, okay, let's compare some of those, you know, which ones, you know, which ones are more evil than the other ones and, and why? And she kind of got to the point where she brought up Maleficent, right? And how, how she was pretty evil and, and she was just doing it because she could you know, type of thing, and just because, you know, of envy and whatnot, I was like, okay, who else, what else, and I, I kid you not, this is another moment where I was proud, and I told my wife, because my wife was at work at the time, so it was just me having the conversation with them, you know, uh, she actually brought up the Pharaoh from uh, from from Moses' time, right, so obviously we let her watch The Prince of Egypt, which is a great movie, you know, we think, especially since it's a cartoon. And she said, there, she says, oh, the Pharaoh, he, he would be the worst one I've seen. And I didn't think she was going to come up with that, right? Because, you know, they've only seen it a couple times, and that's on me. I, I, I want to make them watch it more. Yeah. Just that way they can, you know, be more aware of that story because of how powerful that story is, especially when it comes to good and evil uh, and stuff like that. And... She came up with that, and I go, what did he do? And she was sitting there talking about how he was, you know, you know, she, she mainly focused on, like, the murder. She didn't really focus on the enslavement part as much, because I still don't think she fully grasps that, which we had a conversation about that as well. You know, like, what, 
what enslavement actually means, you know, and, and all that. That way she understood that from a fundamental level, not just, oh, you know, she watched a movie with slaves in it, but they didn't really showcase it, so she doesn't really understand that concept. So we kind of went over that as well, just that we, we knew, I knew for a fact she knew what enslavement actually meant and, you know, how it's, it's forced, you know, labor, not necessarily, oh, you know, you're being told to do it because she was like, well, isn't it the same as you just telling me what to do and then I have to go do my chores? I was like, no, big difference. <laughs> so, um, so the fact that she brought the pharaoh and she was like, yeah, that's probably the most evil person I know. And I go, well, that's a good one. And then I explained how, you know, basically we're dealing with people that are pretty similar to how the pharaoh is now. They're just doing it in, in, in more subtle ways and, and doing it in ways where it's super secretive, where they're not necessarily showcasing what they're doing. Um, and you, and you got to be on the lookout for that type of stuff. And I told her, you know, and obviously we haven't got to this lesson yet, but I told her in future lessons, we're going to go over, you know, signs, symbols, and ways to look for how they're hiding all that stuff. And, you know, it'll be, we, we plan on it being like a long series of, you know, teaching our kids about evil. And, you know, that way they have something to compare it to. Because, you know, obviously we, we raise them to be, you know, God-fearing Christians, and, you know, there's certain books in the Bible that we've been kind of keeping them away just because it'd be pretty much over their head, you know, so mm-hmm. we've been trying to focus on more of the, not the doom and gloom, but the more of the bright side of things and whatnot, and that's why we're trying to introduce more of the doom and gloom side of things, that way they, they understand that it exists, if that makes sense. It does. That's absolutely fantastic. It's great. It warms my heart just hearing that, man. It really does. Yeah, and I am, I, I'm hoping other people will hear it. I'm going to try to get some of my my family's cousins in on it because we've been talking about, they've been talking about sending their kids to private school as opposed to, to public school. And I'm trying to really encourage them to not even do the private school, even though we're in Texas and, and it's a pretty, pretty free state. I'm trying to convince them to do homeschool and, you know, for the most part, lean towards maybe doing like a co-op type thing with us, even though they're their son's a little bit younger, uh, the one family in particular. Um, but try to push them more that way just because, you know, obviously from listening to your podcast, and then I know it from, you know, our own personal experience, right, that private schools can be just as corrupt, you know, as, as public schools. The, the, the huge difference is, is they typically have more funding. Um, yeah. So, especially, you know, like the areas that we live in, Texas, you know, so I know you've passed through here and you've been through here quite a bit. So we're in the Dallas region. So we're, we're the area that we're in, you know, is not, it's the majority of the areas upper middle class, um, and whatnot. So there's, you know, we don't have to go very far to find a lot of money, uh, getting thrown at schools and, and the private schools in our area, whenever we were looking at putting our older daughter, you know, into private schools, you know, we were kind of leaning towards like Montessori type stuff and stuff that it was, you know, more Christian related. Uh, that way they were having that in their curriculum. They were all booked and it was like a waiting list of over two years. It was just like, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. Um, not that, not to mention that, you know, I don't like paying, you know, Buku's amount of money for something that, you know, obviously that we can do ourselves since we're doing it now. There you go. Yeah. So. Well, what, yeah. what, what was your overall reasoning then for the homeschooling? Because uh, again, you sent me some bullet points, and I'd like to go through them because they're—I mean—they're absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. So uh, initially, we just because of my—I I mean, we had the conversation early on 
whenever we got married, uh, what, when, and, you know, because we got married when we were, when we were about, I think 27, 28, we were, we were like, okay, we got to hurry up and have kids before, you know, we get too old and whatnot. Um, so we kind of rushed into having kids, you know, pretty quickly after being married. So there wasn't really much of a honeymoon period. Um, so we started talking about our, and we both went to high school together. We didn't date, but we knew each other. We hung out with some of the same, same group of friends. We didn't really hang outside of school, just, you know, because she's a girl, I'm a boy, and I was an idiot and a dork, and I wasn't really hanging out with girls that much. Um, but, you know, we talked about our experiences in high school and, you know, my frustrations with the education system looking at it from 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 as a from a student perspective right where i felt like you know it obviously it's the state and the city's job to hire you know the best teachers possible and i get it there's teacher short teacher shortages everywhere and you're never going to find the best teachers and especially where we grew up where we you know my graduating class was about 120 to 150 people so we're talking a tiny school at the time which has obviously you know blown up since then but you know, you're not going to get the best teachers out in the middle of nowhere and whatnot. But still, it was just we had teachers that cared more about being friends with some of the, the students than, than, than they cared about teaching. Like there was times where I was in class and, you know, they would kind of like what you talked about and what other people, on you know, you know, other guests on the podcast talked about. Right. Where. They were your typical teacher where it's like, oh, hey, look, here's some homework, you know, go do it. And then they popped in the movie for the day. And it's just like, you yeah. know, if they're doing that, if they were doing that, you know, in the, you know, 80s, 90s and early 2000s, right? Like they're going to keep doing that now. You know, maybe they have a little bit more, you know, government oversight, you know, since they're starting to put cameras freaking everywhere. But, you know, teachers are going to try to get away with whatever they can because they don't want you know, and you know it best, and you say it all the time, and I always nod my head in agreement, they're always going to try to get out of work. Everybody you know is always trying to get out of work. It's not going to be any different for teachers. Right. So we had that as a foundation. We talked to the parents. Uh, we got her parents' blessing on it, you know, pretty quick. Uh, her dad's a Baptist minister, so he's very, 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 uh, you know, by, by, the, by the Bible. And, and, and Jesus and everything. My parents were pretty, were pretty big Christians, but they had some falling out, um, just with previous ministers at the church they went to, uh, a little over 10 years ago. And we don't have to get into that, you know, in this episode. And that's not really school related. Um, but. You can bring it up if you want. Go for it. Well, we had one, we had one minister. I shit you not. We're uh, all at home one day, and I think I was about 20 at the time, maybe 19, and I was home from, from, you know, from college, and we get a phone call from a bunch of the different members from the church, and the, the minister at the time had just got raided by, the, his house had just got raided by the FBI because of uh, child pornography, and he was using, they had adopted some kids. And the and he was actually using the adopted kids and his pornography on top of that. So it was that you know that rocked them pretty hard. It actually brought the church closer together, oddly enough, because you know we all came together to support. Because the wife had no idea, you know, we came together to support the wife and the kids and whatnot. And then 
Um, it's a mess. It was a Methodist church, so obviously, you know, the people don't always get a say in who becomes the next minister. And uh, the next minister that came in was just one of those, you know, money hungry, you know, people that was using the church for more of a job and a paycheck than it than as a service, you know. And that was enough for my parents. And eventually, they said, you know, enough is enough. And I don't think I think they've gone to church maybe twice. Since then, and that was, well, God, that, that had to have been about 12, 13 years ago. Wow. So, yeah, and, and, and like, in, in, in contrast, right, my, my father-in-law, he doesn't, he doesn't take a paycheck from the church. And, and when they try to give him any sort of money, he donates it back to either the church or other, you know, other missionaries that work through the church. So, like, in contrast, it kind of gives you an idea of, the kind of person that that one minister was compared to who he is, you know, and, or who my father-in-law is. And it's just like, yeah, you know, and then my, you know, and that's rocked my parents ever since, you know, and they're still Christians. They just, they're just not, I guess, for lack of better words, practicing. Um, but so we went to my parents with it and my parent, my dad's an academic. Um, and he went to a big West, coast school um and they both grew up in arizona so my dad is actually a registered democrat living in texas which is actually kind of funny um even though he's voted i know i'm I'm pretty sure he's voted republican ever since uh ever since clinton bill clinton so um so obviously a change of heart there or what have you yeah um but he never thought, and at the time, it was primarily my wife that was going to be doing all the homeschooling because she was the one staying at home with the kids naturally. Um, she was a she was a, a housewife before we had kids, and then she was going to be a stay at home mom. Um, and she, for the most part, she basically is too now. She's just a personal trainer on top of that, so she's gone in the evenings uh, when I'm home with the kids, and then she's home with them all day. So it's really no different. It's just she's bringing in some some extra money now, which is nice. Thank you, honey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she'll, she'll listen, I promise. Um, and then, uh, so my parents were pretty opposed to it because they just didn't think she was qualified. Um, obviously, my, my wife didn't have any type of, you know, teacher background or anything like that. And, you know, my, my parents have a higher, well, what's the word? I guess higher standard for, you know, what education should be, which I think is misguided and misplaced, you know, for well over 30, 40 years now, because it's not the same as when my dad went to college. Um, so initially we didn't do it. Initially we sent her, and then we, we actually had the conversation with her back when she was uh, preschool age, my older daughter, mind you. Um, and we actually asked her, you know, hey, you can, when we kind of told her what homeschool was, and, you know, as best as we could to a four-year-old, right? And and we explained to her kind of what public school would be like, and we kind of let her be the tiebreaker. Because we were like, oh, let's do homeschool. And my parents were like, nah, you guys should really do public school. So she'll get to socialize. She can do activities, you know, all the all the nonsense that she doesn't actually need to go to school for. Um, and we after talking to her she goes well i want to try public school you know and if i don't like it you guys can pull me out but i really want to go there because i want to make friends and i'm like okay well that's that's pretty good 
you know, I can't really argue with that logic. If her only logic is, hey, I want to go there primarily to, to make more friends and whatnot, you know, who am I to keep a, a kid from having a, a happy childhood? So we actually tried it out. We let her do, it was full-time preschool. And then we were about midway through kindergarten and we were already talking about pulling her out and then COVID happened. Um, so we were already planning on pulling her out primarily because she wasn't getting anything out of it. Um, the, the school was just not doing a good job of, I guess, not actual test taking, but they weren't actually testing her abilities and, and they just weren't doing it enough. And it was at the point where, you know, my, me, my wife and I were doing so much after school work with her that we were like, what's the point of sending her to school if we're going to do all this stuff with her anyway? Like, this is stuff that we would have done if we were homeschooling. What, let's pull her out, and then that way, you know, we we can control everything she learns. And, and she's not going to learn about God in school. If anything, you know, she's going to get indoctrinated no matter how hard we try. So we were like, we were pretty much getting ready to pull her out anyway. Um, and then COVID happened, and then the school put out some guidelines that, you know, they were going to have to wear masks to come back and all that jazz. And my wife said a, a resounding hell no. Um, and I was actually in Afghanistan for all of 19 and 2020, and I came back in January of this year. So I was gone for the majority of, of the majority of the lockdowns and stuff like that. So I was getting everything through text and video chat. My wife was like, I'm pulling out. I'm like, I was like, you got my vote, you know, like, I, I didn't want to send her to public school to begin with, you know, it was kind of those, one of those things where we let peer pressure get the best of us, and we put her in there, and then almost instantly, you know, regretted it, and ever since we pulled her out, you know, she's just made extreme strides, you know, across the board with, with every subject, and including subjects that, you know, she's learning subjects that she would never learn if she was in school right now, because we're, we're doing subjects early. Yeah. So, and then we ultimately decided that once we pulled her, her out, we would never send our five-year-old, because uh, she would still be technically, because of her birthday, she would technically still be in preschool right now. And, and she's like her dad. She's pretty hyper. Um, so she would be one of those ones that would probably be in trouble all the time, and then the school would want to try to, you know, put her on Ritalin or Adderall or whatever they're giving kids these days, and we're not going to let them do that. So, um, so we decided with her, not even, not, we're not even at test the waters. We were going to homeschool her from the get go, and we've been home. We've been basically we started homeschooling our older daughter at, at around the age of two to three. We let her go to preschool, which she didn't learn anything new. She got to kindergarten. She basically knew everything that she was learning in kindergarten already because of all the work that we did prior to her going. Um, and that's whenever we decided to pull her out. So that's that in a nutshell. That's, I, yeah, th that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. You're actually doing it the way it's supposed to be done. I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what else to say. You're doing it exactly the way that it's supposed to be done. And just to revisit one of your earlier points, you know, yeah. the, the, the business of an adult, in particular a mother or a father, not being qualified to teach their own child is absurd. And oh, if, it's a load of crock. Absolutely. If anyone, any human being ever says such a thing, and you'll hear teachers say it constantly, yep. 
Educators will yeah. be the first to say that. Well, you're not trained to be a teacher. Well, you're not trained to educate. There is no better educator than a parent. That's the whole well, point. And and beside that point, we'll take we could take a look at it from a legal standpoint. The state of Texas has one of the least restrictive laws when it comes to homeschooling, right? Across the entire nation. And we are one of the few states that does not require a teacher certificate in order to homeschool your kid. So it's a moot point. And so for somebody, so like whenever we, when we finally decided to pull it out, we went and talked to my parents about it. Um, and, you know, not that we were going to them for approval or anything like that, but, you know, like, like any good, you know, they were good parents to me growing up. So I always go to them for advice just to get out of my own head. You know, who else am I supposed to go to? So that's kind of what, what I typically do is I go to my dad, we have a discussion, and then that's what, you know, what we go from there. I'm finding that I'm doing that less and less over the last two years, obviously. Um, but we were sitting there telling him, and I sat there, you know, I was like, you know what, it's time to tell him about all the indoctrination stuff, all the stuff that they're trying to do with, you know, I know you hate the term, but CRT, yeah. you know, so more, you know, more critical theory, you know, the, you know, the sexualization of, of all these kids and how they're doing it and like the trans agenda. And mind you, we're out in the country in a red state and we're in a completely red county, right? Like, I don't know if our county's ever voted blue. Yeah. So you, in terms of diehard conservatism, I, I can tell you right now, you don't see very much, you know, you know, you, you didn't see very many Biden stickers in our area where we live, and it's almost Trump, you know, everywhere, which has its connotations, too, I know. But, you know, just, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, to kind of get an idea of what it's like, you know, we don't live in the city like in Dallas where almost everything's blue. You know, we're out on the outskirts, pretty far on the outskirts, and everything out here is pretty red because we're out here and it's a lot of farm, you know, you know, a lot of farms are out here. Obviously, those are starting to go away, too. But, you know, that's kind of what we live around. So pretty heavy conservative area. There's a church like every other block. You know, you can throw a stone and probably hit 20 churches, you know, in the area that we live in. So it's pretty, at least in old terms, you know, religious. Not so much anymore, but yeah. that kind of gives you an idea. And then the fact that we didn't think the school was doing enough kind of just shows you that, I think if it can happen in a in a red county like ours, where we don't think that they're doing a good job of incorporating the values that we hold dear, then they're certainly not going to do it in areas that aren't you know conservative. And see that that I mean that's an excellent point too. The, the school is never going to do that. You know, no, the, the never. school environment is never going to meet um, the, the expectations of sound-minded parents. Right. Who who know exactly what they want for their children. The the, right. the the sad part is that so many parents just forfeit and and yeah. and give all of the teaching and learning abilities, quote unquote, to the school and to and to government. Yeah. And my God, when that happens, um, you know, th their children don't stand a chance in the future. I, but, you know, I can tell you right now from talking to a lot of people. You know, and that's one of the things that I hear in your podcast all the time. And, and sometimes I just, 
that I don't think they see it that way. Whenever they see public schools, I don't think they ought. I think that's how dumbed down a lot of America has become. When they hear public schools are teaching their kids, I don't think they equate it to government because they're not thinking that it's it's government leaders, you know, teaching their kids. They they think it's you know, oh that old farms that old farm you know, homegrown teacher that's teaching them that came from, you know, somewhere in Indiana to come teach their kids, and that's not the case anymore. Like, that ship is, is settled decades ago, and I don't think a lot of people put two and two together whenever they're sitting there looking at the education system as, yeah, this is big government now. Yeah, and, and it shifts big time once they reach middle school and high school. In fact, the middle, right. the middle school and high school mentality of having multiple teachers has infiltrated the elementary schools in a, in a way that never used to exist. Now elementary yeah. elementary school students have more than one teacher. I mean when when the two of us were going to school, we yeah. we primarily had one teacher. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have multiple teachers until basically high school. Yeah, um I think I think maybe 8th grade or 7th grade maybe, but definitely not 6th grade. Um trying to remember. That's pretty far back. <laughs> Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, the parents think, you know, they think to themselves, well, it's Mr. So-and-so that's teaching my children, and we like Mr. So-and-so, or it's Mrs. Right. So-and-so that's teaching our daughter, and we like Mrs. So-and-so. The problem well, is, uh, is that Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so are brainwashed in many cases, yeah. and and they're doing what they are told to do, uh, right. and if they don't push that material down the throats of students, then, um, you know, they're out of a job. Well, the, and the crazy part was because of how small our town was, whenever I was growing up, a lot of my teachers were people that my that were my parents' age that went to church with us. So I knew them from church. Like, a lot of times, because of the way that, you know, that community was and, and whatnot, they didn't like us for whatever reason, calling them, you know, their, by their last name, you know, Mr. and Mrs. whatever. So a lot of them were having us call them by their first name. And then I would get those teachers in, in middle school or high school, and I've known them for you know, 10, 15 years at this point, and I'm like fighting not to call them by their first name because that's how I know them, and I know their kids and all that kind of stuff and, you know, and whatnot. So that's how it was when we were kids, but it's not like that anymore. You know, like we went into – you know, I sat there and talked to a friend of ours that works for the school, and I was sitting there asking about certain teachers that were there. And obviously, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's been a – you know, quite a while since me and my wife went. So we knew a lot of them were going to be retired or, or moved on or whatever. But just to kind of get an idea of who was there, I didn't recognize a single name. They, was, they were probably all, you know, brought in from the outside of the, of the community. So they're probably, none of them are probably, you know, homegrown teachers, if you will, right? So, you know, and it's like, well, if I don't know any of the teachers, what's the point of my kid going to a small school? Yeah. You know, so it's not like I can go and, and talk to them and go, hey, you know, I have a relationship with you from when we were kids or whatever, or, you know, over the years, what the heck's going on or whatever. And, and that, that ship sailed a long time ago just because the, the county decided to, to blow up and the school just gotten so enormous now that it's, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, I guess kind of go back, you know, we talked to the dad, that my dad, and we kind of explained to him how, you know, what, what we were thinking and why we were doing it all, and we finally got him on board, and now they think homeschool's a great idea because now they get to see the fruit of, of all our work, and they see how, you know, she's reading at a, at a grade level that's two, three, 
grades higher than what you know our older daughter's reading, right? So it's just like they're they're saying, you know, all that effort that we've been putting into her, and they're like, oh yeah, homeschool's probably great, and it's just like, yeah, whatever. Y'all weren't saying that three years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um, what what are you know? Describe some of the pros and cons with the Abeka system, and describe it the best you can. Because again, you clearly know way more about it than I do. I I, I clearly offer it up because I've talked with some individuals um, right. about the program. I've briefly read through it, but again, I haven't taken a, a a nosedive into it yet. So you know, and obviously our kids are high school age, and I've not looked at the curriculum for the high school age, but I'm not as concerned about it. Um, and and I used to tutor for math, history, and science. And I would do second grade through the second year of college. And I did that as a side gig because it was my way of, of trying to help, you know, other kids. And obviously I was making a, you know, getting a paycheck on Tuesday to help me. So I have that as a background. So our, our concern as parents as the kid gets older kind of diminishes because with what me and my wife deem the harder subjects, I got those in the bag. Um, you know, when it comes to the only thing I don't know is, you know, biology and anatomy and health, which is obviously more your forte, but that's also my wife's forte. Like, like she's a personal trainer and, and so she, she loves anatomy and health and all that kind of stuff. So where, where I drop the ball, she picks it up. But in terms of the Abeka, my wife did the initial research into all the different homeschooling programs out there. Um, and we sat there and had a pretty long discussion on, which one we were going to go with. And the reason, the ultimate reason why we went with the Abeka is because of how interlaced uh, Christianity was within the curriculum, right? So a good example of that would be for the listeners out there, especially at the early ages, whenever they're, you know, learning how to read and stuff like that. Not every story is about, you know, puppies and, 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 squirrels and, and rabbits, you know, they throw in a lot of kid versions of, of, you know, classic Bible stories, right? So like we saw a, a few about Noah, you know, we, we you see some, you know, you have some Joshua in there. Um, you got some Daniel, the book of Daniel, you, you've got some really good stories that are interwoven into the curriculum. And, and when we kind of heard that they were interwoving the, the, the Christianity into, into the, the curriculum, we were like, well, that's a smart way of doing it, and we, and, and we appreciate that, right? Like, that, you know, we, we don't take our kids to Sunday school because of, you know, personal issues that we have with churches in the area uh, and not and their morals and beliefs not lined up with ours, mostly, you know, COVID-related um, now. But so because of that, we don't send our kids to Sunday school. So that's like little bits and pieces of Sunday school for them whenever they're doing that type of stuff. And it's not just in um, their, their readers. It's also, uh, you know, embedded into their science. Um, it's also embedded into their the history here and there. Um, and then they'll also do it into the math, right? So they'll, they'll do some math problems where it's like, I think one in particular was um, they, they did the, some of the parables and they, they just decided to, to change up some of the terminology and, and make it a math equation and whatnot. And do my kids know that they're actually learning about Jesus whenever they're, you know, they're doing some of this stuff? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, I, I can't complain if, if that's what the subliminal message is, right? So I'd rather it be that than some other agenda. Um, and then, 
So I would say that's probably the biggest problem. That's probably why we went with them. Um, we, we liked the curriculum better. It was a little bit easier. It's also packaged very nicely. You can actually go on to the Abeka website and order like entire kits for each grade. And then they have supplemental material. If you don't think the, the kit by itself um, is sufficient. And then I would say more importantly, if you didn't want to just stick with Abeka, say you wanted to pull from a bunch of different resources, which is kind of what we do, but we primarily use Abeka. The, the Abeka website allows you to go and, and purchase individual subjects. That way, if you want to get subjects from a different, for lack of better words, provider, you could supplement it with material from a different provider. So there was that, that leeway with that program. And then on top of that, it's an accredited program. So it's a program that's recognized, at least in Texas. I can't speak for every other state. If, if my kids want to go to college, it's one of those programs that is, is nationally accredited. So it's an, e it's a, a considerably easier transition. It's not one of those ones where, you know, the, the parents came up with all the, the school material and they have to take good, they have to keep really good records and then prove that they learned all these different subjects in order for them to get into, into college and stuff like that. Um, if that makes sense. It does. That's, um, that's great. So they send all the materials for, for the grade level that you purchase. They send all the materials straight to your house. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know, basically just like going on, you know, uh, communist Amazon and, you know, making a, a book purchase there and, and having it sh shipped to your house. Right. So. Can you ballpark the price? Ooh, uh, I think it's different depending on what you get. Um, but it's, I would say in terms of, I would say it's reasonable. I wouldn't say it's, it's price high. Now, I don't, I don't know if I could give you a good, a good ballpark price because we supplement the crap out of it and that's probably the price that I'm thinking of, right. but I would say it's only like a few hundred, um, just for the Abeka stuff, you know, for each, and it's, and it's not, when you're getting the material, it's not just for that one semester, at least not right now, I don't know how high school is, so I'm sure there's people out there listening saying, high school's not that way, um, but at least for the grades that we have now and the grades that we've purchased, the, the material is usually for the entire school year, um, so that, that's another, I would say another plus is it's not broken up by semester yet. Um, I, so that's, I would say those are the pretty good advantages and it's pretty easy, especially at the, at the early stages. So if you have young kids, like, like I do, I, I think the material is pretty stupid, easy to, to grasp. So if you don't think you are a good teacher, um, I think it's, it's relatively easy. Now I will say, um, if, for those people out there that aren't good at math, which I know is a lot of people from who I talk to, cause that's usually the subject that gets everybody right from. When I talk to parents that, you know, need that where their kid needs help or, you know, whenever I was doing the tutoring and stuff like that, it was all, it, almost every subject. It was, if it wasn't math, it was writing, right? And I would help with the writing too, but it was usually math because it was the one subject that, you know, unless the, that parent went into a field that uses math, they don't, they, they didn't really dwell on it in school and they never took it in higher education, you know, beyond, you know, like algebra two or, or trigonometry. And, and that's when they were kind of struggle. And then it's concepts they haven't used in, you know, decades. So it's like stuff that they just plain forget about, which is completely understandable. Like my wife's in that boat, you know, bless her heart. She wants to be able to do the math with my, with my, my older daughter, but it's to the point where she's just not remembering all of it. And it's, a, it's considerably more fresh in my mind. And I'm a math whiz anyway, because of, you know, the, the, 
everything that I've done with with my education. So naturally, we're we're at the point now where I'm starting to do a lot more of the masses with my older daughter, and my and my wife kind of takes more of a backseat to it. Um, but pretty pretty easy to understand, pretty straightforward. Um, like you said, with with homeschool, the beauty is is if they can read, they can pretty much self teach. Um, our eight year old is pretty much there. Um, she can pretty much do all her subjects by herself. The only thing that she, I would say, has an issue with is is obviously vocabulary. So if like if a new word gets introduced that she's never never learned, we haven't got to the point where um, we've allowed her to free roam on the internet. We we've talked about I've talked about doing computer classes with her to teach her how to do. Um, you know, basically, basic, you know, not Google, but Google searches, you know, and, and that way she, and then we're in the process of trying to find her a, a dictionary that we agree with. We're trying to find an older dictionary. There you go. That doesn't have words that we don't agree are words, you yeah. know, from, from yeah. new agendas. So we're trying to find a dictionary in the thesaurus that's, you know, pretty old school. That way she can have that at her disposal. That way she doesn't have to rely on the internet um, to, to figure out what a new word is. And then she doesn't have to rely on us. So that's one of the ones that we're trying to break right now. So since, since they're younger, they get used to the idea of asking questions on everything they don't understand. And what we're trying to do is, is foster that notion of, hey, if you don't understand something, either reading your book to try to figure out what to do or, you know, research it and, for us, research is going to include, you know, encyclopedias, dictionaries, and the thesaurus. <laughs> so, um, that, I would say, was, that pretty much comes to the advantages. I can go over the disadvantages now, if you like. Sure. I would say the biggest disadvantage, and we're kind of running into it on the math one right now, We it doesn't have, basically, when it's teaching them new concepts, it's not showing, they're not doing it the old, the old way of doing math. So I, the old way of doing math, the way that, you know, you, my wife and I, the way that we learn math is, is basically getting pulled out of textbooks and they're trying to go towards more of, you know, this new style of teaching math where it's more focused on showing your work and, 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 and having the credit for showing your work as opposed to, you know, actually accomplishing the right answer. Um, on top of showing your work, if you will, and and there and obviously with math, there's a, a bazillion different ways to solve every problem, and there's and when you're learning a new concept, you have to be shown how they want you to to learn how to do it, and sometimes the Abeka material doesn't do a really good job of showing the multiple different ways to do it, so that's generally where I have to supplement it now. For the parents out there freaking out, like, I don't know how to do all that, you know, with the, with the math stuff, there is plenty of online, you know, um, online knowledge where you could go and, and pull that on, hey, how do I do this? Yeah, you know, there, there are endless math uh, websites that are free where you can oh, just pop in well, a problem and it'll show you a step-by-step process on how to do it. In fact, right. high school students already know that and they just look up answers on their cell phones all the time. Exactly. Yeah, and then I was going to say the other the other thing, which is a little bit less conventional, but I would argue, you know, go find an old textbook. You know, they're out there. Um, yep. You can find them. 
old and used textbooks, and I would recommend, especially if it's a subject that, you know, parents aren't super comfortable teaching, go get an old textbook of, you know, how it was done whenever you were a kid. That way, it's a concept that you know you just may need a refresher, and then the second you see that refresher, you'll be like, oh, light bulb, it's coming back to me. Because um, that's what the issue that we run into is my wife, you know, God bless her. She's going to hate me when she listens to this. She'll see something and she's like, I can't figure out how they want her to do this. And I don't know what they're asking because they're using different, they're using different vocabulary than what was taught when we were in school. And it's like, this is just a word that means this. I was like, they, they just want you to do it. And then I do the example. She's like, what's well, stupid? Why are they showing it like that? It's like, that's their new way of doing math because they're trying to, you know, make it, they're trying to match, you know, the, the, the vocabulary and the way to do things, you know, for whenever they go to college, which I do not agree with because that's not how math is done in the real world. Right. Um, so and she's a hundred percent right because again the the consistent manipulation of of the definitions on how to do something in particular with math that's supposed yeah. to be a hands-off subject that's not a subject right. that's ever supposed to change and yet the simple right. fact that it's being changed even in a you know quote-unquote homeschooling program is problematic there's no doubt right and i imagine and you know and you know, I, I doubt anybody from Rebecca is listening to, to the podcast, but in the event that they are, I imagine, I tried, to, I tried to, I thought about it one day and I tried to understand it from their perspective. And, I, and the only thing I can come up with is the reason, the only reason why I can think that they, they decided to change some of the terminology and the way that they were showing how to do it is to match up with the, you know, accreditation, right? So if they, if they wanted to continue to be accredited, you know, not to a degree where they're, you know, including all these crazy agendas that are out there right now, but in terms of, hey, we can change a vocabulary word here or there, or, you know, change the phrasing on how to, to do this problem and stuff like that. Something that is, you know, it's not going to not gonna hurt anybody's feelings. It's not going to change your moral viewpoints. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to, you know, encroach on your principles or anything. It's just going to change the way that you learn how to do something and, you know, and whatnot. I, I don't have an issue with that, you know, to to some degree. But my only complaint would be if you're going to change on change the way that you want certain people to learn how to do things, then maybe you should show more examples of how to do it. Yep, you're and, you're you're dead right. And and that would be my that was, that's my biggest complaint. I would say a minor complaint um, with history. They do a really good job on giving more of a Christian slash conservative history, I would argue that they need to, they need to dwell on it more um, and explain it better. Um, so what we typically do with, with history in particular, especially since everything's getting changed as we speak right now with, you know, with the way the world is and how they're literally rewriting history in front of our very eyes that's the one subject that we do like a lot of follow up on. So, you know, uh, in particular, when we were talking, when my, my older daughter was learning about the, the first five amendments uh, and whatnot, we, we actually had a supplemental class where, and we completely went off book and I said, okay, which one's the most important, you know, amendment, right? Or which, which, what's the most important freedom that way? I wasn't really getting towards, Hey, I want you to remember the amendments. You need to really understand what the freedoms are. And I was trying to get her to have a conversation about that and, you know, and not just, you know, read the text, answer the questions and then move on. Because that's what a lot of it is, is, 
you know, you, you know, I, I wanted to have that comprehensive conversation with her to make sure that she understood what she was what she was learning more than just you know a few questions at the end of a chapter where she had to answer. Yeah, that's yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I don't know what else to add to that. You're, you're, you've got it pegged correctly. There's no doubt that the supplemental information is is sometimes the most valuable. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the the thing that I told my wife is, and I, and it's an issue across the board. One, parents are lazy. You, you know, and even even the best parents are sometimes lazy, and and you know, rightfully so. We, you know, especially the ones that have to work all day. You want to come home, and the last thing you want to do is do more work. You know, and that's and kids are work. Don't there ain't no ifs ands buts about it. But you have to have a relationship with your kids, regardless of what they're learning. Right? Like you have to know who they are, what they stand for, no matter what age they are. You know, and and have that relationship with them and understand where they're coming from. And I would argue that that's where a lot of parents, especially with public school, where they drop the ball, right? Because, you know, they they send their kids to school and they don't know what they do all day. You know, like, they'll, they'll come, oh, hey, what'd you learn? And, and then they'll get that, eh, you know, the normal. And that's like the end of the conversation, right? Where, like, a good example of that would be with, with my kid. We know damn well what we're teaching her because we're the ones teaching her it, right? But we still have that conversation with her to make sure that she's comprehending it. And then we kind of want to know what she thinks about it all, right? So especially on, like, subjects that aren't math, right? You know, like, oh, hey, what did you think of your history? What did you think about this? You know, like, oh, hey, you learned about some science today. What did you think about this concept? Do you understand this concept, you know, and and all that type of stuff, right? And then obviously when she's reading, hey, what did you read, you know, and then, you know, what did you like about the reading? What didn't you like? And I know that's kind of getting into some feelings and stuff like that, but I, I, I personally cannot tailor my kid's education to her if I don't understand what she's grasping and what she's not grasping. And if she doesn't enjoy something like math, she hates math. She used to love it, but she hates it now because she thinks it, it's just, to her, she just says boring. So now it's on me, right, to come up with a way it makes it less boring. That way, she doesn't want to refuse to do it and and do her other subjects instead, which she'll do if we let her. Right? Like if we don't we don't monitor her, she'll let the masses keep sliding and sliding and sliding. She'll keep working on the other subjects, and then all of a sudden she's behind on math. Um, so I, I, I think that's where every parent fails: is you have to have a relationship with your kids. You have to know what they're doing, what they're thinking. And you can't do that unless you have a relationship with them. Um, and that's what we try to do. And it's it's not easy. I mean, it's also not that hard, I don't think, either, you know, as long as you know your kids. But yeah, that's kind of one of the missteps that we see. And, and it was kind of a breath of fresh air. I think it was about a week or two ago when you were sitting there talking about it. Um, and I pointed it out to my wife. And I said, hey, you need to listen to this. And it was the, the part of your episode where you were talking about, you know, take the time at the end of the day, 30 minutes to an hour, and go over what your kid learned with them for the day, right? And I don't know if you remember talking about that, but... Yeah, I do it uh, all the time. It, 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 I mean, again, everything that you just said is 100% the way it's supposed to be done, and that's the step in the learning process for any human being that a lot of parents just don't engage in. 
You know, right. it, it will be how was school? Kid says fine, and then that's it. Um, right. Rather than what, not just what did you do in Mister and Missus So and So's class, but show me what you did. Right. Teach so it. I, I was pretty, heaven, heaven forbid the child teach it to the parent. Right. Well, and 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 I will say I was pretty fortunate. Even though I was in public school, I had a dad that cared so much about my education that he did that with me. Um, and he took personal time on the weekends to to not only, I guess, tutor would be the right word. He would tutor me, or actually, he was tutoring other kids that were struggling in my math class, and then he made me do it with them. Um, and luckily, I like math, so it wasn't you know, a complete board. I mean, I know people are probably rolling their eyes because I said I like math um, and, I, and I find it fun. But to me, it's just another puzzle. So yeah. I, and I like puzzles. So I just see it as, as more puzzles just of a different of a different sort. Um, so I was fortunate enough to have a parent that, that did that with me. Maybe not for every subject, but at least for, you know, some of the ones that, you know, the, the four subjects that matter. Um, and that's what we try to stress on our kid is, you know, we always sit there and tell her, like, hey, you know, history, science, those are all great and all, but we really need you to focus on the big four. You know, you focus on the big four, then then we can do these other subjects. And then we kind of, you know, explain to her, like, hey, when you're doing history, you're actually reading. So you are covering one of your major subjects. So you're kind of knocking out two birds with one stone. So, you, hey, guess what? You don't have to do a ton of reading today because you've already done a ton of reading. Yeah, so, that's it. That's yeah. absolutely that's that's excellent. And again, what your dad was doing with with the the weekend strategy, so to speak, is is even an excellent strategy as well. Take you know, take an hour on a Saturday or an hour on a Sunday, right. um, and and have your child go over what they did the previous week with you. Yeah, and again, that's just another refresher. And all of that stuff just ingrains it into the child's mind as to what it is that's going on and, and what, what they're supposed to be learning. And any opportunity that they have to repeat it back to the family members, that means that all parties are learning, and that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, we also see that the more that we ask about it, the more they're forthcoming with the information. So an example, I guess, would be, I sit there and just keep asking, you know, my, my daughter, hey, what'd you do, what'd you do, what'd you do, you know, tell me what you did. There's times where she'll do it on her own, I don't even have to ask, and she's actually excited about what she learned, you know. Normally it's in the subjects that she cares about more and not math, but, um, and then I'll see her do that with my wife as well, like my wife will come home if she's still awake, and she'll go, mom, 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 I learned this today. It's just like, cool, she's actually enjoying going to, you know, enjoying school, you know, like she should, she should enjoy learning. It shouldn't be something that's a miserable, you know, experience. So it it just kind of compounds everything together and just, you know, kind of wraps it up nicely, if you will. It's amazing how much the human the human mind can learn when they're not, you know, when the child isn't being tortured. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And if they're not behind a stupid screen, which is a big one for us. Like, we've, we've done a pretty good job of cutting out the TV over the last, you know, several months. but. That's a that's a hard that's a that's a big one. Yeah, well, it, it, it's working. Whatever you're doing, it's working. Um, right. Let me ask you about your um, your army reserve exemption experience. <laughs> What's been going on with that? 
Well, um, first, it's a shit show. So, just put that out there now. So, I've been in almost 13 years. So, I did eight years active duty, and then I've been a reservist since 2016. So, about a little, yeah, about five, oh, yeah, a little over five years now, I guess. So, obviously, the mandate came out for everybody in the service to get it. Now, obviously, active duty is always going to be ahead of the curve when it comes to any type of mandate or new order or anything in terms of, you know, that type of stuff. So, um, National Guard and the Reserves are always going to fall behind just because they're not full-time. Um, you know, the whole term weekend warriors rings true, right? So that, a lot of stuff does not happen at the, at the unit level and at the individual level until that one weekend. Now, you know, big Army Reserves, big National Guard, a little bit different story. You'll, you'll see those things. Uh, you'll see that those types of orders and mandates and stuff like that, even if it's not vaccine-related you know, or, or whatever, you'll see that stuff move a lot faster because at, at the higher echelons, a lot of those people have full-time staffers that are, that are, you know, basically active duty, just not in an active duty unit. Um, so there's some, some background for you. So that order came out, I think it was in, I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure it was in August. Um, I purposely dragged my feet on it um, just because why raise a flag and, and let people know how I believe if I don't need to be, if I don't need to, right? So um, the unit was really bad about, they asked one time, hey, did everybody get it? You know, I responded no. A couple other people responded no, you know, in a, in a group text that we do. Um, and then that was the end of it. Hey, just reminder, you know, it's free. You can go to, you can go to Walgreens and, and get any time with this voucher, you know, yada, 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 right? Um, and then. That was the end of it. And luckily for me, you, you don't have to go to every weekend uh, and not intentionally to try to get out of, you know, getting the vaccine or anything like that. But just because of, you know, personal, you know, real life stuff coming up, I, there were some times where I took, you know, like a month off or I rescheduled it. So I wasn't necessarily, you know, doing my weekend time at the same time as my unit. So goes through the entire process. I actually made it all the way to my December drill, which was a couple weeks ago, um, to where I never got told I had to go take it, right? Outside of the, the mandate that came down from uh, General Austin, there was nothing at the unit level or at my command level that said, hey, you need to go get it, right? And I kinda, I'm kind of, i kind of using that as, as a little bit of, uh, of hey, you know, you guys are excelling this timeline with me. Just know that, you know, I was never instructed at the unit level to, to go get it. So I'm, I'm purposely using that as a, as a means of drag defeat. Um, and the only reason why I'm doing that is I'm trying to delay the inevitable. I, I'm, I'm pretty, me and my wife are already have already come to terms with, I'm probably going to get dishonorably discharged. Um, as much as I don't want to be, I, I will not get the jab ever. Um, so, uh, so that doesn't really change how, I, you know, how I feel about it, even though I'll lose out on a lot of benefits and then I'll be marked basically like a felon, um, and whatnot. So, um, 
Make sure you I am in the middle. Make sure before you get dishonorably discharged, make sure you buy guns. Uh, way ahead of you. That a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I already did it. Already, already did it. Um, and I had some before before I knew, but there was one in particular that I won't broadcast that I went out and got just to make sure. Um, Glorious. Yeah. Um, and then my wife will go buy them too. She don't care. Um, she has her own her own guns and whatnot. So and, and she's a pretty well a good shot. And, and I have I'm pretty sure I have some family members that would go go get it. Go get me something if I needed to. There you go. Yeah. But, um, but so I am in the middle. I don't qualify for a medical exemption because um, they only do medical and religious exemptions in the military. And you, from what I've told, the medical exemption is pretty hard to get. You have to have, like, basically, the only way you're getting a medical exemption is if you can prove that you have an allergic reaction to one of the ingredients, right? So, um, that's the way that I understand it. I could be wrong, but that's how it was basically told to me. So there's not that many people getting that, um, from the people that I've talked to on active duty. Um, and from the people that I've talked to in my unit, I have yet to meet someone who has gotten the religious exemption and I have not heard of anybody getting the religious exemption. So that's why I think inevitably I'm probably going to get some type of discharge. My wife is hopeful that I don't get the dishonorable, but it is a it is a general order, and it's a general order level one. And for us, that's kind of like a death sentence. Like if if you don't do general order one, you know, which is what this vaccine falls under that category, it, it could result in dishonorable, um, which is ridiculous and and stupid. But you know, I don't make the rules. Um, but so right now I am, I, I've been able to drag my feet some more this month because, you know, with me being in the reserves, people aren't having me every day for my exemption letter. So I have actually not turned in my exemption memo. Um, and the, and when they ask me why I haven't done it, the, the reason I'm going to give is well, one, you know, I, I want to go over my memo when I turn it in, right? Like, I don't want to just hand in a, a piece of paper that I signed and say, here you go, it's in your hands. Um, you know, read it however way you want, you know, and interpret it however way you want, and, you know, woe is me, basically. So what my plan is is I don't even plan on signing it until I have a witness, and that's going to be my excuse that I use for why I haven't turned it in sooner because I want an actual witness showing seeing that I, I was the person that signed the document, not somebody else. Um, and then that way I have the opportunity to kind of go over that document, you know, prior to turning it in. Uh, and and I, the one that you have on your website, I, I think it's your website, and then the same one that's ro rolling around on GAD, that one that's like the military one that's like well over 20 pages long, is going to be the one that I end up using just mm -hmm. because it covers every, every religion. Um, so... And it's the most detailed. You would not believe the memo that they gave me. The memo they gave me for me to fill out, which I will not fill out, was a one-page exemption letter, right? Sorry, I took a drink. And uh, basically it was, you know, subject line, you fill in the blank. Hey, I'm not getting this vaccine because, and it's like, it was a bunch of fill-in-the-blank type stuff, and it was, so rudimentary and so 
kindergarten in terms of memos that I've seen. And I've seen a bunch in, in my in my time in the military that I was like kind of ashamed that I was a part of an organization that, hey, you know what, I'm, I want to claim religious exemption and you guys aren't really taking it serious. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. And I told my wife, like, like if I get this religious exemption, I, I have it because of how long I've been in. I can opt out of the army and just finish my time because of the type of contract that I'm on now. I'm on a, what they call an indefinite contract. And I have to get approval for it, but I can voluntarily exit the army and I don't owe the army any type of time or, or anything like that just because of how long I've been in. So obviously I wouldn't get my retirement benefits, but I would still be able to, you know, use the VA. I could still claim all my disabilities, uh, which I definitely have. Um, and I will lose those if I get dishonorably discharged, which is another big one for me is, you know, like I'm going to lose out on all that, all that stuff. Um, so that's kind of the road that we're at right now. I imagine here in about another week and a half, there's going to probably be, they're going to probably try to drop another hammer on me, but you know, I'll be ready for them. And then I have to have a talk with a chaplain at some point. And I think our unit chaplain is Protestant, which is good because, you know, for the most part, I'm Protestant. Um, so we can have a conversation, but he's not ready for that conversation. I can tell you that right now. Um, cause I'm going to be, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to have so much documentation. Uh, I'm basically going to be bringing in a binder of talking points, um, and to go over all my different convictions of why I will not be getting the jab. Um, including the fact that there's, you know, human cells in the jab themselves. So that automatically means that I, I can't take it, yep. you know? So, I mean, that should be enough, but I'm going to go over more stuff on top of that. So. Um, yeah, the chaplain's not ready for it. And I can tell you right now, this is the grim news. And this is kind of what I've been trying to do whenever people post military news about the jab on Gab. I try to tell them that it's a lot grimmer than they think it is. Uh, I would say there's a lot more people jabbed than there are unjabbed in the military. You know, these numbers that people say, oh, it can't be just, you know, 1,500 people in the Marines that didn't get the jab. No, I assure you that's probably the accurate number because uh, I know active duty units that didn't lose a single person in the army because everybody got jabbed. My, I'm the only one in my unit, and it's not a big unit, mind you, because uh, we're reservists, but our bigger echelon unit is, you know, if you go up high enough, is, you know, right around the 700 to 1,000 mark. I think I'm the only one that's unjabbed. So, I know it's grim, and it, it, it's, you know, not the best of news, but it's got to be said, and that's why I keep telling people on Gab is, like, look, you guys need to understand that military's folding, like, left and right, and everybody's taking it. And, and you know, and people are like, well, why are they taking it? Well, a lot of people don't understand that this is, for a lot of people, this is their only their only job. Like, a lot of people in the military, it's not the best of the best anymore, right? Like, it's not like it was back when I first joined, there are a lot of people that just can't get a job out as a civilian. So they join the military as like a last resort. And, you know, they're not, is the military for them? No. Can they make it work? Yeah. But it's not like, and then they're using that as their entire livelihood. And there's some people that, you know, depending on how many kids they have, I know a lot of guys in the military that have five, six kids. They're not going to get out of the military anytime soon. 
because that's their cushion, right? And that's what they're going to do is they're going to use all this fear out there as as that cushion to, to, to go get jabbed and keep that job because they don't know what to do on the other side. You know, like they, they're not entrepreneurs. They're not going to be able to go out there and start their own business. You know, depending on what job they have in the military, they may be able to, to transfer and use it in another another position in another position. But if they get dishonorably discharged, they're not going to get hired by most employers anyway, because that's the same thing as being a felon. Yeah. So, Let me so a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand that aspect of why are so many people taking a jab? Well, it's because dishonorably discharged is a much heavier burden than, than most people realize. And we lose every benefit that is that we have, you know, if we, if we get discharged in that fashion and it, you know, I, I, I have not told my family yet. Um, I've told my wife's family because they're a little bit more understanding. And I told them, Hey, look, you know, I, this is how I feel. We're willing to roll the dice with the dishonorable discharge because we can make it. My employer won't fire me, you know, for getting dishonorably discharged. So I don't have to worry about that. But if they did, you know, I'll go into business for myself, which I've done before, you know, and, and we'll make it work, you know, but yeah, I haven't had that conversation with my, my family yet, but they'll never listen to this podcast. You know, I was going to ask you too, um, w- one of the things that we're not hearing about at all at least I'm not, is um, any of the adverse reactions among military personnel. Yeah, so I know that there's that one video floating around about the uh, the Air Force. Uh, I think it's a, she was a colonel where she grounded some, some flights from pilots that were having adverse uh, reactions. That's right. Yeah, I have yeah, not, yeah, yeah. So outside of that one, I, I will tell you, I have not seen anything on the news either. I will tell you that... My, you know, in terms of reactions, personally in my unit, the, the worst I've heard so far is I fell sick for a couple of weeks after I took the jab. You know, my arm was sore, you know, stuff like that. But I promise you the blood clots are coming um, because all these guys during COVID blew up like they they weren't working because they couldn't go to it. They were they were of the mindset that, you know, the country's locked down, so they can't go to the gym. So. They all gained massive weight, and now a lot of them are well over what they used to be at. I, I, it's, it's nuts because I lost weight during the pandemic because I changed my diet and, and whatnot, but these guys gained weight because they were just eating and not doing anything. Um, so it's crazy how much bigger they've gotten, and they're big guys to begin with, right? Like, they're not small, small guys. Um, and then... So I've heard that. I haven't heard any other adverse reactions, but I imagine they're coming. I haven't heard anything about the military, you know, requiring boosters. Obviously, that news article came out, you know, I think it was last week about how the Army created their own, I guess, super vaccine. That's like a one, one doser, you know, that which I imagine will hurt my chances of staying in the military even more because they're going to be like, oh, you don't have to worry about getting the other ones. You can get this one. Um, so, um, and then I would say, especially for a lot of the military, I think a lot of them, the majority, I would say the majority of the military that took it when they took it probably took the Johnson and Johnson, the the one dose one at the very beginning of this year, because when I was in Afghanistan, uh, in January, that's when the unit that I was with was and, and who I was supporting. 
they were doing the vaccines and it was the Johnson and Johnson one doser that was going around. Now I know that one's not much better, but from what I've seen, if you're going to get one, that might be the one to get. I know they get blood clots too, but at least it's not altering your DNA. Um, at least that we know of. Um, so I think that might have something to do with it. And then you gotta understand a lot of the military, it's just, it's not half as active as it used to be because, you know, with, with all these different scares, I imagine they're shutting down physical training left and right. Like my unit hasn't done joint physical training together in over a year. Um, we did our physical training test, but that was it. You know, we didn't do anything else. And we haven't done, you know, we don't, they don't, you know, obviously there's requirements out there, but, you know, with a unit like ours and with as much rank as we have in our unit, um, we're pretty relaxed on those standards. But um, I would imagine that once they, once they open up and they start making units start running like crazy again, I imagine you'll start seeing more people drop because that's what you're seeing with those all those soccer and football players around the world. Yeah. It's the athletes that run all the time. They're dropping like flies because their heart rate's going up. Um, and I imagine that when soldiers' heart rates start going up, that's when you'll start seeing a lot more drop. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you right now, there's so much, there's such a lack of media coverage for everything in the military that if there were adverse reactions right now, you would, like, as, as dark as, as, as it is right now for normal civilians when they're dropping, You'll, it's even darker for everything military because there was there was a uh, a vehicle borne explosion in the base that I was at in Afghanistan, and it was massive. Now nobody died, but it was massive. Should have been front page news because it was right in the middle of the peace talks, right? And we got you know attacked pretty heavily and it was the biggest attack in in, in, a, in a few years while i was there you know and complete utter silence across all media because i called up my parents and said hey you know and my wife i go hey you know sorry i haven't talked to you all in a couple of days we were on total blackout over here we had this big giant explosion on base you know followed by some uh small arms fire which is uh mainly like ak-47 related uh you know munitions being used so it was a pretty pretty big attack and nobody had heard anything about it and then i came home didn't really see any news about it even a a year later um and i was like that is crazy that just goes to show you how little the american people know about what goes on in their wars um yeah so I, i i imagine that it's probably complete darkness and you know, purposeful blackouts on anything related to the military because they don't want anybody getting wind of people getting adverse reactions. And, and I mean, you, you really have no choice but to say, well, you know, they're the military. They have to know that this entire thing is a kill program. And then you, you say, think? and then you say to yourself, well, wait a minute. They know it's a kill program and they're still pushing it. So they're culpable in this entire thing. Yep. So it's it, it's beyond nuts, you know. I, you know, and I've seen a lot of things in my time, you know, and 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 I gotta credit the the army 
because I was somewhat red-pilled before the Army, but the Army red-pilled me on a lot, right? Just because I'm seeing, I'm getting to see the world, you know, I got to see the world, I got to go to a bunch of different, you know, countries. You know, I'm getting to see how America is viewed from the outside, you know, on, on other major news, you know, not the BBC, obviously, like I'm talking about like, you know, uh, you know, other large countries like India and other stuff like that, how they view us, you know, how they report some of our news and stuff like that. So you kind of get a, a different mindset of, of how everything's done. And it's, yeah, it was a, I would say my first two years, I was probably red-pilled to the majority of what is everything that's on now. And I've been red-pilled for, for a while uh, on, on just about everything. I don't think there's not much that surprises me. And there's not much that I'm not already tracking. Usually, and the second all this stuff came out, like the majority of the people that I was with when I was in Afghanistan were like, "Oh, this is stupid. It's just the flu," you know. And, and like everybody knew it, but because they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and I guess because they were able to showcase on TV that people were dying, right? You know, not to the degree that they were actually saying, but enough people have lost a loved one at this point that you know that one loved one is enough to, to scare them into submission. Yeah. So, and it's just nuts because even when I was there, like I, we had, we had to, we were forced to wear our masks. And the only time that we were, we were really forced to wear them is when we had to go to what we call the dining facility, which is where basically our cafeteria. And that's the only way that you can get food there. And if you don't wear the mask, you don't come in. So it's just like, well, you got to eat. So it's like, as much as as stupid as I thought it was, I, you know, I put it on. And then the second I was out of that place, you know, I'd, I would be taking it off and whatnot. So, and most of the people that were there at the time were doing the same thing. You know, I can't imagine what it was like, you know, like if we were still there, I can't imagine what it'd be like right now. The the so. one, th- the one thing that I just, I, I even thought about it today, thinking back to, to March and April of 2020, the one thing that I just kept saying when I would leave the house and go walk around and just observe people uh, in public yeah. with, with the mask wearing and the distancing. I, I would say out loud uh, with wrinkles on my face and my eyes as big as saucers, I, I, I would just say they're actually falling for it. Yeah. They're actually going along with this like it's real. I, could, I yeah, couldn't I mean, believe it. I mean, the term, I mean, the term sheeple doesn't do justice like there needs to be another word slave made up at this point. I mean, yeah i mean yeah i mean i mean they are at this point so i guess that would be a good word i mean i know we've tossed that word around in our house you know that everyone's enslaved so i guess that would be the right word to call it but yeah, it is just wow. nuts and and speaking to that right you know you would think that a pretty red state like ours and you know between governor abbott and governor DeSantis, you know they've been pretty pretty much at the forefront for, you know, trying to get their states, their freedom back, just terrible as Abbott is. And I can't wait till he's, re- I hope he gets replaced. But, um, yeah. we're in a pretty free state and I get it. You know, Dallas is a pretty liberal city because that's where all the money and that's where, and it's a big, you know, a big, you know, metroplex. But, I tell my wife all the time because she's kind of in a bubble over here. She only kind of goes to work and then goes home, and she and her work is you know not that far from her house, and it's in a much much smaller community. Um, 
she's kind of in a bubble because she doesn't really see people wearing masks, especially since she's at a gym and they don't really allow it. So uh, they don't really, they don't enforce anybody to wear a mask or anything like that. So like nobody wears masks there and they're all, you know, professing to be healthy as opposed to, you know, jab heavy and stuff like that. Although I do think the majority of them are jabbed. Um, and I've told her that, but it's crazy how much I can walk around now. And I feel like over the summer, the mask was pretty much non-existent, right? You were hard pressed to find someone wearing a mask. And then that whole, and I don't remember when it was cause it was so long ago now, but when the Delta variant quote unquote came out, Ever since then, the masks have come back out, and they're not, you know, not everybody's wearing them, you know, so there's some dissenters out there, but there's a lot more than I would care to see, and it, and it, you know, like, I, I tell family members, because, you know, for the most part, I'm one of the few that go into Dallas because of how far of a drive it is, like, it's, it's a long drive for me, um, but I tell them, I'm like, look, it's, you're in a red state and there's a lot of people that work in Dallas and not everybody that works in Dallas is obviously from Dallas. So it's a lot of people that are driving into Dallas from the outskirts, like, like me and whatnot. I go, there's a lot of mask wearing. There's a lot of people. And I guarantee you the people that are wearing masks, it's gotta be jabbed, right? Yeah. That's the dead giveaway. So that's what I tell people. And I told my wife, I was like, yeah, you're in a bubble over here. You have no idea what Dallas is like. And And Dallas is getting back to the point where, I think I see more masked people than I do unmasked people. And the crazy part is you still see them walking outside wearing a mask. I mean, our, we make fun of, we make fun of them from time to time, but our freaking neighbor, back when it was mowing season, he was not wearing a, a dust mask. He was wearing a COVID mask to mow his yard and he's outside by himself. And then he would, and then I've seen him get into his car by himself wearing the mask. And drive off by himself wearing the mask. Like you can't get, like you can't get more dumb. No, you can't, and you can't help that person. They're gone. Oh Lord, no, we don't talk to that. We've never. All the, the the best they've gotten from us is a wave. <laughs> Amazing. So, oh, it's it's crazy. But then you know, on uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, my parents are right there in that same boat, and it's just nuts, you know, because. It's like, come on, y'all are supposed to be smarter than that. But all they do is watch Channel 8 News all the time, or uh, ABC News all the time. Yeah, that's, so, that's not good. No. Um, no. Do me a quick favor if you can, and again, I'm sorry for your loss, but uh, describe your um, your uncle's passing here. Yeah, so this was pretty nuts. Um, but I, I, you know, I told my wife, you need to prepare. Because anybody that's jabbed, which at this point, I think we're one of the very, very few in our entire family uh, on both sides that is not jabbed. Like we got a few, she's got a few cousins that are our age that aren't, um, and we're working on building a, our own community, you know, and and doing that type of and and you know coming together and getting ready for what's coming. Um, so that's the plus side. But I, I, I've been telling her get ready because you know this is. This is the sixth season, and we're going to start, you know, losing some people. Um, I mean, hell, my mom has bronchitis right now, and I talked to her earlier today, and she sounded terrible. So who knows? She might be next on the on the chopping block, which I know is terrible. And but I tried telling her not to get it. Even her own doctor told her not to get it because she's immunocompromised. 
So, you know, if she's not going to listen to her own doctor, who's she going to listen to? Um, but so with my uncle, he, uh, what started with them is he actually had just got done, um, marrying his youngest daughter. So he was actually the, the pastor that, that with them. Um, and they had a wedding and I guess a lady at his daughter's work came into sick who was quote unquote COVID positive. I'm going to say she had pneumonia, um, gave my cousin pneumonia. And then my cousin, who still lived with her mom and dad at the time, gave her sister, her mom and dad, and her three kids pneumonia. And my grandmother was visiting at the same time. Luckily, the oldest person in that house did not catch COVID or, or pneumonia. Explain that one to me. I don't know how. But everybody in the house was, was jabbed except for the kids because they're all underage. Thank God. Hope they never get it. Um. The young kids, I mean, my cousin's kids, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it took a while for him to get sick. Everybody got sick. He was one of the last ones to get it. Um, they were all pretty, I would say, decently bad, you know, you know, like normal bronchitis and pneumonia. You know, it's, it's not a walk in the park, but, you know, um, it's not the end of the world most of the time, as long as you're somewhat healthy. Um, he was probably the healthiest person in that house. Um, cause he had just recently lost a ton of weight over the last few years. He was the last one to get sick. Eventually, I guess his got bad enough to where he had a hard time breathing. Um, so they took him to the hospital. Well, it turns out he did have what they call, what my mom liked to call COVID pneumonia, which is not a thing. So he just had pneumonia. Um, and I knew instantly that he caught pneumonia and his body couldn't fight it because he'd been double jabbed. Right. So. I told my wife, I go, well, if they put him on a ventilator at any point, he's probably toast, right? He's, he's, he's not going to make it. And, and it sucks. And it's sad for, for him and his family and, and whatnot, you know, my aunt. And, you know, so we, we put him on a prayer list. Uh, and then we started praying for the entire family, you know, pretty much every day, you know, and I was checking in, you know, with, with my aunt and my mom, you know, every day about him because she was getting updates. Um, it, it was pretty insane. So they were in Arizona, in the Phoenix area, um, and they were only letting my aunt, they were only letting one visitor a day come to the hospital, for one. And then they were only letting them come between 2 and 6 p.m., and you were only allowed to stay either for an hour or two hours max for, you know, vis you know, visitation or whatever. So, you know, basically it's prison, but in the hospital, um, which I thought was ridiculous. But, um, he was gradually getting worse, but then gradually getting better. They ne they didn't put him on a ventilator, um, for a few days. They, they were, I don't know what medication they were giving him. I was trying to get the names of the medication. Obviously I recommended ivermectin. That probably never happened. Otherwise he'd be alive. Um, he, uh, eventually they, they did a scan of his body because he was starting to lose feeling in his foot. So he had a blood clot in his in his leg somewhere around, I think, the, his calf muscle down into his ankle. When they scanned the rest of his body, he had a total of five blood clots. One of them was on his lungs, right? So, you know, if you didn't think it was jab-related before, the blood clots is kind of a dead giveaway to me. Um, even though my family doesn't see it that way, they were like, oh, my God, what a tragic, you know, 
situation. I can't believe he, he caught COVID and then and got sick. Well, COVID doesn't give you blood clot. Just just putting that out there. Um, yep. But uh, so they eventually transferred him to another hospital because they were going to try to do surgery on him to remove the blood clots. Um, but one in the leg was dissipating enough on his own that they didn't need to do surgery on that one. And then they noticed that when he was at the, I guess, the specialist, if you will, um, they're like, oh, they're, they're all dissipating on their own. You know, he's getting enough blood flow. We're not going to put him under because if we put him under, they'd have to, you know, knock him. They'd have, basically have to put him in an induced coma. And they thought that by putting him in an induced coma, that would kill him. Um, it's because, obviously, you're not breathing as much, even though, you know, they would put him on a, I think it's an iPad machine, um, which is not quite a ventilator, but, you know, getting there, I guess. I, you may know better than me. Um, I don't. Yeah, so it's not like a seat. It's not like the CPAP machine, right? So I was told it's like a. It's kind of like a CPAP machine, but a little bit different. And I think it's called the iPad. I'm sure there's some, you know, medical personnel out there rolling their eyes or whatever because I'm getting, it, I'm butchering it. Um, but so I had him on that while they're, you know, and to assist his breathing because obviously with the blood clot on his lung, he was getting. I think they said his breathing. For lack of better words, his breathing score was around a 43 as opposed to the high 90s that he was supposed to be at. So obviously he's at like half capacity for, for breathing, right? So they wanted to put him on that. They were trying to avoid putting him on the ventilator because they flat out told my aunt they, they thought that if they put him on a ventilator, it would kill him. Um, because it wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be an, you know, it'd be like the death sentence. Um, and then it got to the point where I guess he hit a turn for the worse. Uh, and he ended up passing away on Christmas Eve around, uh, a little bit after noon on Christmas Eve. Um, you know, that's whenever, and then I didn't find out until this, until, uh, Christmas Eve evening when we were at, you know, a Christmas party, I finally got the call and, you know, I was expecting it. So every time my mom and dad called me to give me updates, I, I figured it was always going to be, he's passed you know, and whatnot, and okay, earlier in, you know, earlier that morning, we had gotten a notification that the, the hospital was allowing his wife and kids to come up there and basically say goodbye, because they didn't think he was going to make it through the day, um, so they weren't allowed to go up there, I guess, all at once, or maybe they took turns, I don't know, it's it's all diabolical, um, uh, and then he, he passed, and then they're doing the funeral sometime this week. I'm not going to get to go because, you know, work. And I don't know if I want to be around a bunch of jab people, even if it is outside. Um, so, I mean, being around my parents is a little bit different just because I've been around them already. So, um, I don't want to be around jab people that I haven't been around. So, but, yeah, I mean, if that's not more proof that the jab is killing people, I don't know what more physical proof people need. Um, you'll never, you'll never get a doctor to, you know, confirm that's what it was. Oh, he died from pneumonia. Okay. Then, you know, I, I don't, I've had pneumonia about five times throughout my life, you know, when I was considerably younger to the point where I got hospitalized twice with it. I don't ever remember getting blood clots from pneumonia and I've had bronchitis probably a couple dozen times. Right. So you don't get, I, unless, you know, they, they, they're changing the medical, the medical diaries. So, you know, include blood clots for pneumonia and bronchitis. I don't think you can get a blood clot from, from either one of those illnesses. So how do you explain that? Yep. 
That's an excellent explanation. Pneumonia doesn't give you blood clots. Yeah. So, and, you know, I don't remember seeing blood clots on the, on the, the fake list of COVID symptoms. So, maybe they've added it down there now since the jab is doing it, but. Wow. Um, again, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, I mean, clearly you're, you know, the, th- the thing that's getting a lot of us through this is just our knowledge and our and our willingness to just learn and keep learning, and that I, I think oh, right, yeah. it, I mean that right there is a, is a massive buffer um, because we're not surprised when these things are occurring. We know exactly nope. what's happening, and uh, I feel terrible for the people that still don't get it. I mean, they just don't yeah. understand, and they you know they just aren't making the connections. Oh, it's just it's insane because you would think something like this would wake my parents up and yet it still hasn't and I was I, I don't want to I told my wife before we went over there for Christmas because we went so obviously Christmas Eve was Friday we didn't go to my parents house until Sunday um, and my wife goes are you going to bring any of this up and I go hell no I go why would I willingly start an argument and debate you know on Christmas Day that might fracture the relationship once and for all to where I never talk to them again, right? Like, I I don't want to be the a-hole that does that, right? Now, I told her, I go, now, if it gets brought up by somebody else and they want to have that discussion, then I will gladly chime in. But I don't want to be the cause of, of, of the argument, right? So, because, cause, you know, and it was primarily because it was Christmas because for all I know, that could be my last Christmas with my parents. Right. So I, I would rather it be somewhat memorable because I, you know, for, for me, it, it, I'm, I'm in a weird, I was in a weird predicament. You know, it's not the same for my wife, but because of how long I was gone in Afghanistan, I ended up missing between the time that I took to, to go there and the time that I was actually there, I ended up missing four Christmases in a row. Right. Yeah. And, and so for me, this was the first Christmas that I didn't have to do through a, through a cell phone. And, and forever. So it's like, I'm just trying to make it, you know, a memory as best I can. That's why I told her, I was like, look, this is my first Christmas with my family and God knows how long it might be my last. I, I need to make the best of it that I can. That way I can hold on to the memories and, and, and cherish it. You know, there'll be another day to have that argument. There'll be another day to have that fight. That day's not that day. So, um, and she was like, oh, okay. You know, and she's like, well, I won't bite my tongue either if they bring it up. I'm like, okay, you know, because we're, we're, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better spouse. You know, she she took a lot longer to red pill, but she's always been supportive of, of my beliefs and, you know, the crazy that is me. And we're, we're right there. Like, there's, there, there's never been a discussion where, oh, are you thinking about getting the jab? And then I got to talk her out of it and vice versa. Like, that's never been a thing. You know, we we pretty much see eye to eye across the board, and you know, thank God every day that you know he put her back in my path, and and we were able to, to get married, and and I couldn't have asked a better person to have have kids with because I can't imagine the people that are going that you know are going through all this craziness, and they don't have a spouse that lines up with their principles because I couldn't imagine it. I there there'd be no way. I would, 
I would lose, I would completely lose my mind. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.